We're going to continue our subject matter on caring for the sick. Specifically today, I'm going to be talking about a resolve that each and every one of us needs to develop in our life to get to core or to root issues, to uproot things that are not healthy, that are not beneficial for our health and well-being. And we're going to get into that more specifically here in a moment. But our text for this series is Matthew 5, 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Let me remind you, blessed means envied, fortunate, happy. And all of us would subscribe to that kind of life. We want that kind of life. And that's the kind of life that Jesus wants to provide for us. He wants us to have that blessed life. Blessed are the peacemakers. So there's, there's our part to be peacemakers. For they shall be called, the word called there means to buy, to be identified as. So when someone calls you something, they're identifying you as that. And when you go about being a peacemaker, someone identifies you and I as the children of God. Only God could be working through that individual to reconcile and to bring peace. Apart from God, we are not peacemakers For the most part, we are troublemakers. That's why Jesus came to take care of our troubled hearts. Let me give you a definition of the word resolve. Resolve means to decide, to make a quality decision based on the truth, to get to the source of the problem, to get to the root that is creating the fruit in our life. Today, we're going to learn how to remove and uproot bitterness and unforgiveness from our lives. These two enemies of mankind must be uprooted and removed, or they will continue to resurface and resurrect in our life. And we know that both of these enemies have the potential to keep us unhealthy if we don't resolve to remove them root and all. So when you hear the truth of God's word this morning, I believe the spirit of God is going to put a want to in you, a resolve that there's no other course that you want to take other than to get rid of every root of bitterness and unforgiveness that is keeping you from experiencing the quality of life that Jesus wants you to have. Bitterness. Bitterness is known in the Bible as spiritual poison. And is a means by which many become defiled. The word defiled means soiled, polluted, or contaminated. It is the root system and source of countless spiritual, emotional, and physical problems in millions of people's lives around the world today. Bitterness. Bitterness defined is resentful cynicism. The fruit of bitterness manifests in harsh and unhealthy words that come from someone's sour experience in life. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 says, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good and necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Our words matter. Our words infect people positively or negatively. And here we're given instruction. 
to be very, very aware that we don't say words that would grieve the ministry and the person of the Holy Spirit from fulfilling his ministry in our life. Don't use those kind of words. And then it goes on to say in verse 31, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And what should we do? Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. There's the example, the model that we are striving for. How? With the help of the Holy Spirit. And when we're using our words wisely, appropriately, when our words are ministering grace to people, the Holy Spirit partners with us and bitterness and unforgiveness will have no room to grow in our lives. The Holy Spirit will help us. He will protect us. And we live in a world, would you agree, where there are many people that have been bit by bitterness? And you could think of the word resentment. There's a lot of people that have resentment in their life. And they don't understand that that is defiling them, contaminating them, polluting them, ruining them. Their reputation, their health, their emotional well-being, their spiritual connectedness to God. Because if we carry that kind of spirit about us, the first thing the Lord wants to do is help us to unroot that so that there's nothing that separates us from him. Unforgiveness and bitterness prevent us from going to the Lord in faith. They actually block the road. And until they're dealt with, we don't have access to the presence of God the way that God wants us to. And we have to fight those enemies. And there is a way that we learn how to fight the good fight of faith. And we're going to discover some of the truths that Jesus gave us today so that we can make a quality decision that's based on truth to uproot all forms. Every aspect of bitterness and unforgiveness. If you would look once again before we move on to our next text in verse 31. And if you haven't circled this in your Bible, I encourage you to do so. Let all. Just circle the word all. Don't let any of it remain. Resolve to get to the root issue. Don't let some of it remain. Don't justify some of it. Don't permit some of it. Don't allow it because just the smallest of root systems, if left unchecked, will continue to grow and develop. Jesus, we'll see, gives us insight here in a moment, but Paul writing to the church is really making an appeal, the strongest appeal that he could, to get rid of everything that would grieve the ministry and the Holy Spirit from manifesting in your life because without the Holy Spirit, we are incapable of representing Jesus well. You might have the right words, but you don't have the evidence of the Holy Spirit and His fruit working in your life. There's too much 
residue from anger and resentment and bitterness and unforgiveness that's heard in harsh and improper words that prevent our witness and our testimony from being valid. Now, God's not asking us to be perfect. He's asking us to work at it. Remove all. Get rid of every ounce of evidence. Put a determined effort behind it. And then the latter part of that verse says, with all malice. I've, I've rarely met someone who's full of malice. I've, I've met mean people. You ever met a mean person? Yeah. I, I've been around mean-spirited people, cruel people. Uh, there's a few times maybe where I've encountered someone that's malicious. But never let anything get into you in resolve, I mean, in regards to anger, unforgiveness, and bitterness, to where it drives you to where every action is a malicious intention to seek out and to hurt somebody else. I think most people in my experience in life, and I don't know what your experience is, but most people in my life are hurting other people because they're hurt. You know, they're wounded and therefore through that woundedness, they wound other people. And Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted, to bind up their wounds. So most people don't go to the place that they're vindictive and malicious. But if things are left unchecked, we could end up being a person that we don't even like to look in the mirror at. The reflection of our actions and attitudes could be something that's nauseating us. And so this instruction is so, so vitally important for us. When we don't resolve to get to the root of bitterness, it becomes a toxic root system in our lives that cause us to be angry, resentful, and unforgiving. They sort of travel together. Here's a, a nugget about forgiveness. Forgiveness is evident in our life when we are willing and obedient to release others of the offenses they have done towards us. Some people have no idea that they are offensive. Therefore, the example of Jesus upon the cross is one that God's spirit will empower us to live out when our Savior said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That is the bulk of where most hurts and wounds and offenses arise in our life is that someone doesn't even know they're hurting us, but they are, and therefore we think they're malicious and intentionally trying to do it, so we take it personal, and it becomes problematic for us because they have no idea that they did it. But the way that we interpret it is, you did that on purpose. You intentionally said that. You want to hurt me. You don't like me. You hate my guts. And that shows someone who needs support, who doesn't interpret communication properly or sometimes offenses correctly, and they take it personally, and therefore it impacts them in such a negative way that this toxic root system starts growing and developing in their life. And then most other conversations and relationships are filtered through all of that toxicity 
and everything around them becomes poisonous. Am I talking to the right folks that live in a very toxic and bitter culture in, a, in the world today? Yeah. So this is a very, very important subject matter. We want to have health. We want to experience wholeness. And we've got to get rid of the things in our life. We have to have the resolve to do that when we know the truth, to uproot them. And then the good news is that you're going to hear today is that you're going to learn how Instead of having a root of bitterness, you're going to have a root of righteousness. You just can't pluck something up and leave that ground void. You're going to have to fill that spot with something healthy and something good. Amen? So the fruit of having an unforgiving spirit, what does that look like? It means that an individual is unwilling to let issues go. They keep feeding the root system with their words and improper actions and attitudes. Some offenses, though, fall into a different category. Some offenses fall into the category of people that are completely naive as to what they're doing. They're blind. In those situations when we interpret that correctly, we say, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. But you know there's sometimes where God calls us to take actions before we can come and worship him correctly and come before him and experience his blessing. And in Matthew chapter 5, I'm going to read verses 3 through 6, where we're called to be proactive in going and doing something to take care of unforgiveness and bitterness. Let's look into the 23rd verse. Therefore, and whenever you see the word therefore, you need to see what it's there for, correct? It's tying two thoughts together. Therefore, what Jesus is saying, and he'd been talking to them about anger, anger that led to actions like murder. And some people say, well, I've never murdered anyone, but have you ever assassinated them with your anger? Have you ever assassinated them with your words? Just so that you know that I have feet of clay, the answer to that, Pastor Doug, is yes. And can I get a witness? Yes. It says, when you identify that your temper has gotten to the place that it's controlling you and you're not controlling it, and you begin to do character assassination, You say you're not murdering someone, but you're killing everyone around you. You're killing your life. You're killing your fruitfulness. You're killing your faith. You're killing your witness. You're committing spiritual suicide. You're dying. And this is what he says. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there it comes to your remembrance that your brother has something against you, leave your gift before the altar. Go your way first be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift agree with your adversary quickly jesus said agree with your adversary quickly while you're on the way with him lest the judge hand you over to the officer and you be thrown into into prison assuredly i say to you you'll by no means get out of that place until you've paid the last penny 
And we can do our work on the front end or the back end. I, I, I believe wisdom says do it on the front end. Otherwise, you could be sitting and stewing in a real bad place. And you're not going to leave that place until everything has been paid for and reconciled. He's not saying you can pay for it, but until you're willing to resolve the issue, you're going to stay there and you're stuck. And people are going forward with their life and they're experiencing their life. And somehow you've imposed a prison upon yourself because you have unresolved issues. So you have to resolve to get with this. Now, I want to say this as a caveat Unforgiveness does not necessarily mean that you will always be able to reconcile with that individual. But what it does mean scripturally is I let them go. I let it go. I'm willing to let it go. I'm willing to let them go. I'm willing to extend grace and mercy to them. The relationship primarily is going to be restored when two people want it to be restored. And they work at reconciling their differences. And then trust is reestablished in the relationship. And then you would say restoration has come full circle. But not everyone that I've had to forgive do I have a relationship with. It's just not a reality. And it's not what Scripture teaches it. But the enemy is so devilish, isn't he? His name is appropriate. The devil is devilish. That he will paint a picture or a portrait in your mind that if you don't, if you have any feelings, any feelings towards that individual that aren't healthy, you really haven't released or forgiven them. And that's not true. Thoughts like that come to all of us. If those thoughts aren't spoken or lived out in action, those thoughts will not continue to hold a grip on you. So the enemy is an accuser. He'll say, you really didn't forgive. See, you really don't like that person. If you like that person, you would have bought him a birthday gift. I'm not obligated to buy everyone a birthday gift. When Christmas comes into our house, sometimes Char and I sit and talk about Christmas. And everyone gets sentimental around Christmas. You've got to give everybody a gift. And you got to, you know, and I'm like, man, I haven't seen them in five years. A card seems appropriate. I mean, I think I'll send them a text. It's more than they've gotten from me in a while. Now, I'm not being mean-spirited or stingy or I'm not grumpy. I'm not Scrooge. But you, you, you feel sometimes like, well, I got them something. They have to get me something. Well, is that why you did it? Well, I didn't get invited to their party. Well, did you just invite them to your party so you could be invited to their party? There's all of these little caveats that you have to sort of figure out in life or you're going to be always feeling like, oh, I have to do this to get their friendship or I have to do this to get their approval or they're not going to like me unless I do this. And if I don't go there, they're not going to be my friend. And you live in this horrible place emotionally and relationally. My friends, I don't have to buy my friends. My friends are my friends. And we have something called fellowship that I can identify as a Evidence of my friendship. Point in case is you have friends as I have friends that you haven't seen for 10 years. But you call them on the phone and you pick up that conversation like it was yesterday. And can I get a witness? That's a friend. That's a friend. So these ones that are bought and sold or found on 
statistics with social media and everything. Your friend shows up when they need to show up. When I find out my friend is in need, my presence is usually there in some way, shape, or form. So just to help you to not be stuck as if, oh, there's a, something, uh, and we're going to see that a little bit more specifically here in a minute. And if you want to know what that's, uh, that's for personal interpretation. I don't know what that means. All right. Luke chapter 17, are you guys ready to go? Jesus is going to share something here and unearth some truths that are going to really liberate us and help us all today to uproot bitterness and unforgiveness from our life. Because Jesus came that we could have life and life more abundantly. So he knows what ails the human spirit and what hurts us from experiencing this. So he wants to equip us to get rid of these enemies and to embrace his grace and his blessing. Luke chapter 17, verse 1. Then he said to his disciples, it is important that no offenses should come. But woe to him through whom they do come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. And the disciples or the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. So the Lord said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you would say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea and it would obey you. For today's study, my question has been, why a mulberry tree? I mean, there's, there's the cedars of Lebanon, there's palm trees, there's oak trees, there's the fruit trees. Why, why would he pick on a mulberry tree? I don't think it's by accident. It's specific. He said offenses, unforgiveness, bitterness are like a mulberry tree. And you're going to see four characteristics of a mulberry tree that aren't very attractive and they're not attractive in the tree and therefore they're not going to be attractive in us because we are the planting of the Lord that we would bear fruit, glorify him. There is a process in which things get into our life. But once you identify something that's unhealthy in your life, you can remove it quickly. No matter how long it's been around, no matter how long it's been growing, no matter how deep the root system is, you're going to see that in a moment of time, when you resolve to get to root issues, those roots are going to be removed. They cannot remain. They cannot stay there. So why the mulberry? There's four things we need to know. Number one, the mulberry tree was very large and had a deep root system. It was a fast-growing tree that was present everywhere throughout the Middle East. It wasn't just prevalent in one part of the Middle East. It was everywhere. And so is bitterness and unforgiveness. It's not isolated in one people group, in one location around the world. It's everywhere in the world. People have been bit by that bug, and it's poisonous in every environment without exception. 
Some people say, you know, no, those people have a right to be bitter. They may have a reason to be bitter, but they should give up their right to be bitter. You may have many reasons that are valid, but you should give up your reasons and find rights to get healthy. Find rights to have a blessed life. Have the right to enjoy your life without condemnation, without fear, without feeling like you always have to keep up with somebody. Get that monkey off your back. So it was a very fast-growing tree. spread quickly. Grew upward, up to 30 feet. And that's amazing because... It thrived in dry and arid soil. No life. Didn't matter. It would go deeper and deeper into that arid soil until it found a reservoir of water. If you don't uproot the tree, the tree remains alive and would continue to grow. If you left a little bit of the root system there, that root system would go down and pretty soon it would begin to spring up above the soil again. So it took... A concerted effort to remove the tree. Someone had to be determined to say, you no longer are going to occupy this place of soil. You can't stay here anymore. You're not welcome here anymore. You don't belong here anymore. You're not part of my life anymore. I'm going to dig until there's no evidence of you found ever again. And I'm not going to leave that place void. I'm going to fill it with something healthy and good that's going to be a blessing. Because that's what I'm called to be as a blessing. I'm going to get rid of every ounce of poison that you have put into my life. And I'm not going to live there anymore. Jesus paid too high a price for me to live in the desert. To be arid and dry. And to think that because there's some growth. Well, it's got to be good. No, it's not good. It's very bad. Secondly, the mulberry tree produced a bitter fruit. The fruit on a mulberry tree looked like the fruit on a fig tree. Of course, figs were one of the favorite fruits of those in the Mediterranean region, in the Middle East. They love fruits. They love figs. It was their favorite. And figs were sweet. But the fruit that showed up on a mulberry tree looked like a fig. But when you bit it, it was bitter because the root system was sour. The fruit was sour. And there's some people that they may appear to be sweet, but you get around them and their words are toxic. They said, no, 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 I, I mean that in the best way possible. You ever heard someone say that? Usually a conversation starts like this. Did you hear? Which sometimes should be an indicator of, I don't know if I want to hear. I don't know if I want to hear what you're peddling. But sometimes a conversation, and they sound sweet and innocent as if they have someone's intentions in mind until they get to the character assassination part. And then it's like you leave the conversation and you have a sour taste in your mouth. Like, oh yeah, how was that, how was that conversation? Ah, a little bitter. I'm going to spit those words out. 
can happen in the work environment, in a home, can happen in a church, can happen anywhere, can happen on ball teams. You know, just a little bit of dissension, a little bit of unforgiveness, a little bit of resentment, a little bit. And it just, it'll try to spread, try to take over. Here's something interesting about the fruit that came from the mulberry tree also. It was the primary source of fruit for those that were impoverished. Which tells us if we keep biting this fruit that comes from a bitter root, we will remain poor in spirit, poor in our soul, even poor financially, and not experience health and wholeness. This is how much it contaminates us. This is how much it wants to have inroads into our life. The third interesting fact about this fruit is that you couldn't take a big bite because it was so bitter you had to bite it a little bit at a time. Isn't that just sneaky like the devil? The little foxes spoil the vine just a little. Just a little. Come on, just just bite it a little bit. And you had to chew it a long time. Before you could swallow it, which means you and I have time to spit it out before we swallow. If it. Spit it out, don't swallow it, because what happens if it gets in you, it tries to regurgitate. It's like Chinese food that you're going to have today at 1130, two o'clock, that first burp. Yeah, that's what you had. It's exactly what you had. It's one of the reasons that I struggle with barbecue. I like barbecue going in, but when it starts coming up, I'm like, please don't use that much liquid smoke. Please don't use that. Use real, like if you're going to barbecue, do it right. Don't do it that way. And I'm from Kansas City, and so, yeah, you think we know something about barbecue. We do in that city, some other places like Carolina barbecue, Nashville barbecue, Memphis barbecue. I don't know about that barbecue. Too much vinegar. You've got to have the Kansas City barbecue. Now, I'm just proposing that. That is not a commandment nor doctrinally in the Bible. All right. All right, here's the third thing about the mulberry tree. It was, preferred, it was a preferred wood for building caskets. Oh, my. Left unchecked, bitterness and unforgiveness will put you six feet under. You think you're alive and you're walking around and there's no life coming out of you. No life. The fourth thing, the mulberry tree was pollinated. This is interesting. Not by the environment that it was around. It was pollinated by the sting of a wasp. I thought wasps were just part of American culture. They're everywhere. The wasp would sting the fruit of the tree, which led to the tree being able to reproduce. People who have been stung will sting others, and the reproduction of bitterness and unforgiveness will continue. That's why Jesus chose the mulberry tree. He didn't choose the cedars of Lebanon. He didn't choose the palm tree. He didn't choose the healthy fruit-bearing trees. He said, 
if this issue right, of offenses opens the door to bitterness and unforgiveness, and we're only offended for two reasons. Because of what someone did or didn't do to us. That's it. That's the only two sources of, of, of offenses. That, that, that's the only way it can have access into our life. And that's usually based on expectation, realistic or unrealistic expectations. Well, Jesus said, hey, offenses are going to happen. You cannot live in this fallen world without offenses coming and knocking at your door. But if they knock on your door, don't answer. Forgive. Let it go. Let them go. And what if they keep knocking, Jesus? says that They knock at your door seven times that day. Don't go to the door. Because if you let it in, it's going to be like a mulberry tree. And it's going to begin to impact your life negatively. It's everywhere, people. Don't think it's exclusive to you. That's another great lie of the enemy. If they only knew what happened to me. Well, if you sing your song, I get to sing my song, my sad song. Well, if you only knew what happened to me. And if you only knew what happened to me. And pretty soon we're stinging one another and we become this toxic individual that spreads poison in every environment that we're in. We sit around and nibble on it a little bit at a time and regurgitate it. Because we can't just take a big bite and swallow it. It's just too painful. So we rehearse it a little bit at a time. If you only knew. If you only knew what they said. What they did. What they did or what they didn't do. It's the only way offenses can come. Am I preaching to someone who can relate with this this morning? Amen. So how to uproot bitterness and unforgiveness. Jesus said faith. And he said I'll tell you what faith is like. Faith is not like a mulberry tree. Faith is like a mustard seed. But don't be deceived. The power isn't in the size. The power is in those that use it. He said, you know, if you have faith like a mustard seed, what he's saying is just a little bit of faith takes care of a lot of problems. Let me say that again. A little bit of faith in God takes care of a lot of bitterness and unforgiveness. Just a little. You don't have to get yourself worked up. You don't have to get yourself emotionally stirred. You don't have to look in the mirror and say, All right, Doug Brady, you're going to go out there today and you're going to do it. Whatever it is. That may work for a half an hour. Because Doug doesn't have the ability to do it. But Doug, when he places his confidence and faith and trust in God, is well able to do it. So if you think you're going to give yourself a pep talk that I'm never going to be offended again, I'm, I'm never going to get mad at someone again, I'm never going to be resentful, I'm never going to... No, it's going to knock at your door, but you're going to have to understand faith has to answer. Faith has to answer. Your confidence, your ability and the grace of God. In using his words and allowing him to work through you is going to help you to overcome. You can't avoid unforgiveness and bitterness and think it will take care of itself. It will only increase. 
I'll choke it out. <laughs> no, it'll choke you out. Don't do that. So no, ma- no matter how deep the roots may be, faith in God will uproot those issues. No matter how bitter the fruit of your life may be, faith will make your spirit sweet. No matter how much death and carnage you have experienced, faith in God will resurrect your life. And no matter how many times you have been stung, faith will cause you to be free from offenses, to bless, to love, to pray, and to do good. Secondly, Jesus said, use your words. Say to this sycamore tree, because the way that we got stung by offenses is by saying certain things. So the way that you're going to stop the sting is by speaking to that unforgiveness, speaking to that bitterness, saying, you don't have dominion over me anymore. You don't have control over me anymore. You do not determine the quality of my, of my life anymore. And it said, command with your words that that tree which represents bitterness and unforgiveness, be cast into the sea. Well, what sea was he talking about there? The sea is filled with what kind of water? Salt water. Which what he's saying is, if you put that tree in an environment where the salt will work at it, it'll kill it at They'll never resurrect. So environment matters. If you're going to get healthy and you're going to stay away from toxicity and you're going to stay away from unforgiveness and bitterness, then sometimes you have to be in a different environment than what you've been in. You actually have to resolve not to put yourself in a position where you can be stung by somebody. Well, how can I impact them? Your prayers will impact them. And sometimes your lack of presence will impact them and create a conversation that could lead them to a better place. Because this message isn't just for us. It's to help those that have been hurt, have been wounded, are experiencing the negative effects of these horrible, horrible enemies of our faith. And so this is how we uproot bitterness and unforgiveness. As we choose to forgive as we've been forgiven, we choose to be tender-hearted and kind even though people aren't tender-hearted and kind towards us. We're we're not going to use toxic words in relationships. And and this is a process, correct? So, So if certain thoughts come to your mind, and I'm finishing now, certain thoughts come to your mind seven times a day about how you have a reason not to like somebody, not to forgive somebody, to resent somebody, to be bitter at somebody, then release them with your words. Say, I forgive them. Lord, I bless them. Lord, I ask that you would help them. You may not be that messenger, but you can pray and use the authority that God has given unto you in the name of Jesus to protect yourself from chewing on that bitter fruit. 
Because what the enemy wants to do is say, you really haven't forgive them. You really haven't let them go. You really haven't released them. And he wants you to bite that bitter right, fruit that looks like a fig, but it's not. It's an imitation. He wants you to chew on it. But if you don't give place to those words and you give place to healthy words and you say, no, be uprooted from me. Your feelings will catch up with your decisions of faith. Your feelings, my feelings will catch up with our decisions of faith. That's why it's called faith, because it has nothing to do with feelings. You do it by faith. You do it as unto the Lord. You do it because you want to be that living epistle that glorifies the Lord. Can you say amen? And you put it, you put yourself in the right environment around people that build you up and bless you. And it doesn't mean you just have a holy huddle and you never intermingle with people in the culture. No, but you intermingle with people in the culture from being a healthy well, from being a fruit bearing tree that glorifies the Lord. And then people can eat the fruit off of your tree and they'll say, man, being around you is sweet. And being around you is uplifting. When I'm around you, I always feel better when I leave. And when I'm in your presence, I feel built up. After having a conversation with you, I feel like I can go and conquer. Right. That's the kind of fruit we need to be bearing. But our lives are likened to a tree. And it's not, it's not beneficial if we don't deal with root issues. We have to deal with them, and that way we can glorify the Lord. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that it encouraged or inspired you to God's best. If you have any questions about today's message, need prayer, or would like to learn more about Living Word Fellowship, please call 641-828-7119 or visit us at lwfknoxville.com.